time to put our mini league winner under the microscope. Hello everyone and welcome to the 134th episode of the FPL Surgery. As you may have noticed, it is not Bully hosting, it is the Iceman. Recording after the 2018-2019 season. On this episode we have Paul Jones with us, aka Sky Player in FPL, who won our FPL Surgery Mini League this season. And for the first time on the FPL Surgery, never done this before, so please let us know if it's enjoyable. I will be going through his his season game week by game week trying to dissect his strategy and seeing if there's anything we can learn from it and also it's quite good for me to run back through the season too welcome to the pod paul nice to have you here hi james thanks for having me on very welcome so as mentioned you are the winner of the fpl surgery mini league for season 2018-2019 where you finished 48th overall before your experiment, you had four top 20k finishes. The year before, you finished 7k, is that right? Yeah, that's right. It's been coming down slowly the past <laughs> yeah. two you, years. You I got think. it all the way Three down years. to 48. So you've had some uh, previously good finishes. So before we get into this, let's try and kind of get to know you a little bit. Could you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, like where you're from, etc.? Uh, yeah. If you can't already tell from the accent, I'm from the South Wales Valleys, little village called Kamaman in Aberdeen, which happens to be where the stereophonics are from, if anybody follows them. Um, I'm an accountant by trade, which I guess helps a lot with the analysis side of things and, numbers, and yeah. spreadsheets, numbers, yeah, all of that business. Married, my wife is a polar opposite to me, can't stand football tolerates my obsession at best i think yeah same with me um not really any other hobbies given that i spend so much time on fantasy football i'm involved with not only fpl the sky game last season i think i had two draft teams to go with it next season is going to be even worse because i've got involved in a draft community league which is going to take some doing proper fancied up to the eyeballs then yeah pretty much yeah. plus to go with last season, I started writing a blog about this team, which I ended up not being able to continue with because it just took so much time. <laughs> yeah, there's yeah, so much props to you guys who do the pods and everything else on a weekly basis. I, it, I just couldn't keep up with it. It does take a lot of time and effort, doesn't it? And, and you've got to run your own FPL team as well and your Sky team. Yeah, it's it does ridiculous. Take a bit of doing. Absolutely yeah. ridiculous. I think all in all, I had very different teams last season. Yeah, yeah, so I mean, you're you're well known for bringing the Sky game to FPL and playing the FPL game the Sky way. Can you uh, can tell me what that consists of, and is it just when the the overhaul is it uh, comes into play for Sky that you play your wild card? Uh, that was part of it, mm. but what I started out wanting to try and do was bring as much of the Sky game as I could have possibly apply to FPL over. Because I've been doing so well in the Sky game the past couple of years, I finished 38th overall in that last year. Oh, nice. Something just seemed to work for me in Sky, so I wanted to bring everything over. And it worked Sky a treat. Is, yeah, Sky is a game that it's only a team of 11 players, so the intention for me was just to focus on starting 11, not bother too much with the bench, mm. uh, minimum spend on that. Like you said, with the overhauls, Played them exactly uh, the wild card exactly the same time as the overhauls in the Sky game, which we'll come to, come on to the benefits and downfalls of that later on. I'm assuming. Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> it's a limited transfer game, so there's only 40 transfers available for the entire season. There's no hits or anything like that. So I brought that over and gave myself a 40 transfer limit so to very play. Strict, yeah, the idea was to play them as and when you needed to, instead of worrying about cost of hits and that sort of thing yeah it was you i had the 40 transfers to use as and when right okay interesting so i mean did that dictate your chips etc what was your plan pre-season for using your chips 
Uh, as far as the wild cards went, that was going to be the same time as Sky, which it turned out it was after game week four for FPL and after game week 27, I think it was. 27, you played your wild card, yeah. Yeah, so they were preset before the season even started. Yeah. So that was all planned in. But as for the other three, there was no plan at all for those. Sky don't have those kinds of chips or variants so they were just going to be opportunistic in use yeah pretty much so just uh, kind of playing it as you go in a way yeah, yeah. but it, the idea was just to be open about using them whenever instead of going along with the normal you have to play it for the doubles the blanks it was just be open to playing it whenever the opportunity came up that sounds good so I mean, we know you're from wales then you stay updated with what's going on in the english game because you obviously live in the uk how many games do you watch do you watch as many games as you can uh as much as the wife will allow <laughs> i'm lucky in the fact that she works every other weekend most weekends i get to watch pretty much every game that's on i must have a lot of uh ipads all over the place with yeah yeah <laughs> and I always um, always record match of the day anyway, just to make sure I catch everything, and I watch more than I ever have this year. Well, that reflects on your position, doesn't it, really? Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, on our previous pods, we went over the lessons learned from the season past, so I'd like to go over what you learned from this game style midway through the pod, but let's start with your game week one. So, firstly, how much did you prep? For game week one, how much did you prep your team and how far did you actually plan for? In terms of prep, it was I do I do the usual thing every year following the preseason games, keeping an eye on who's starting, who's not, who's scoring goals, what the positions are. But I didn't actually come up with the idea for the whole Sky Player and FPL sort of experiment until about two weeks prior to game week one it was literally for those two weeks straight into it like i said i started writing a blog to go with it which i wrote the first article for that on the 2nd of august i think so it was all pretty rushed in the end uh, the experiment yeah yeah it, it was just something i wanted to do to get involved with the community and wasn't something i'd seen done anywhere else yeah so i thought oh, i'll give that a go yeah. Where, where, I mean, where did you get all your information from? What podcasts, what websites, etc.? Uh, in terms of websites, Fancy Football Scout has got a really, really good pre-season section on there, which covers all the early games. Yeah. Like I said, who's playing, who's scoring. Fancy Football Hub, which I'm actually a moderator on, yeah, or yeah. Was, was a moderator yeah, we're, on. we're a partner of those guys. Yeah, they've got some... Great planning tools and articles on there. Who got the assist with the prospect in the prospects yeah, for the new players coming in? Yeah. One that not too many people might have heard of is um, Fancy Football Chaps. They're a draft-based site, but they're really good for team profiles and player rankings. Okay. Is that like a website? Yeah, yeah. They've got their own website. Yeah, they do a lot of early team profiles. Like, I think recently they've posted one on Norwich for next season. So mm. it's good to pick up they're based in Norwich as well so they've got some good views on the promoted teams oh that's good we'll grab the website from you at the end and put yeah. it in the uh, put it in the description <clears throat> and as as for the pods as many as I can get my hands on <laughs> it's um, you guys have been longer serving ones I've listened to oh, uh, the three amigos who got the assist uh, generals 59th minute always cheating FML FPL yeah, there's a Sky Fantasy pod, which obviously comes down handy for Sky, but similar sort of thing in preseason. And Planet FPL, don't forget about those boys. Yeah, Pla- Planet FPL came a little bit into the season, a couple of weeks into the season. I didn't come across them until a little bit later, but they're pretty much my go-to for anything Spurs and West Ham now. So yeah, yeah, true. Yeah, they're good those two. <clears throat> yeah, so you kind of listen to them all. It's a bit like how I do it as well. I, I've got a big commute, so I. Uh, listen to it whenever I can. Do, what, do you have a big commute, or is it just yeah outside of that? Just... Uh, no, it's, it's only about thirty minutes, but each day that gives me a pod to get through. Yeah, and then if I've got any spare time, I'll be listening to them sort of in the kitchen when I'm cooking or that sort of stuff. So I try, I try to get through as many as I can every week. Oh, good. Do you use the um, Twitter community to help form your team? Do they help you in any way? 
Uh, pre-season it did. There was a lot of really excellent articles on value. I think this early pre-season, there was a lot of, a lot of talk about value yeah. from, I can't remember who exactly it was, but I think it might have been the Who Got the Assist Boys. Maybe Peter Blake did one, and I know there was a lot of chat with FPR Guidance. He was doing quite a, quite an in-depth thing on value, which was a big part of what I was looking at in pre-season anyway. And a lot of supporters, supporters accounts you come across, because they seem to, they were always following the pre-season games and giving you insights as to who was starting, who was not. Yeah. It, it, it just kind of builds from there then. Yeah, something to take into next season, a bit like how the Planet FPL guys have got all those correspondence. That's a good way of keeping up with each team as well. Yeah. So um, game week one, <clears throat> you started off with a flyer, 97 points, with an overall rank of 23,877. So you started off well, didn't you? And you started off with a premium keeper in Edison. So what made you go this route and not the 4.5 rotation or 4.5 and a you know, fodder? Um, well, with the whole focusing on the starting 11 and not really paying too much attention to the bench, I never had any intention of having a second goalkeeper from the off. Yeah. So that was wiped off the board. Truth be told, I actually wanted a Burnley goalkeeper to start the season. But Heaton was injured, wasn't he? Yeah, uh, Heaton was injured. Pope got injured pre-season. Then they signed Joe Hart. So there was just too much uncertainty to pick on one there. But those guys are top for mana match and save magnets in Sky. So always looking to them. De Gea was the next choice, being the top scorer from the previous year. He was but, a letdown. Um, yeah, but six million just seemed a little bit steep. So I went, ended up going for Edison, who was five million less and not too far behind. Yeah. No, so. Yeah, he was, he was a guaranteed way into the, the city defence. Into the city defence, yeah. Because they just alternated throughout pre-season, so he was, right, okay, let's pick the nail on uh, option. Yeah. Also, you've gone for one premium defender in Robertson and one semi-premium in David Luiz, 5.5. And then you've got 0.5 lower in Sacco. So <clears throat> is that the kind of price points you wanted to stay around? Or you just started like that? You wanted to start with a, a bigger defence? I noticed you've gone 4-3-3. Sorry, not 4-4-3. That's too many. 4-3-3. 4-3, yeah. You've gone four three three quite a lot, haven't you? So starting with that on your defenders, is that the way you wanted to continue? Why that, those price points? Um, they weren't actually picked on the price points. It was just the fact that from the off, I knew I wanted four defenders, and my initial idea was to actually go with four five one with just the one premium striker. Yeah, but um when Zaha and Arnautovic were reclassified, they sort of put pay to that because I, I was looking at one of them for the midfield. Yeah. So I picked out Zaha for second striker instead and changed my whole tactic to a four four two. But yeah, the defence wasn't picked on any price points. I knew I wanted Robertson from the start. He was pretty much rivaling Alonso tw- towards the end of the season before. And in Sky, he's surpassing and tackling stats just translate perfectly over to FPL bonuses. Yeah, and he, he finished the season really well, didn't he? Yeah, yeah I, I thought about going with Van Dyke, but <clears throat> just the attacking, attacking stats for Robertson just made him the ideal choice. Yeah, I started uh, with Van Dyke, and I wish I went Robertson at the start. Yeah, Louise then came in at 5-5, five, five, I think it was. That one was a bit more of a punt, but Sari was talking him up in pre-season, I think. Yeah. Chelsea was starting with Huddersfield, Arsenal, Newcastle and Bournemouth as the first four games. And for one million less on Alonso and Azpia, I think he was, that was sort of worth a punt. Yeah. Sacco then dropped to five. That was more to do with the bonuses. Yeah, he was uh, the bonus magnet the year before. Yeah, the year before, I think he was fourth for defenders. Mm. He played nowhere near the minutes that Otamendi and Azpilicueta played. And again, first four fixtures, Fulham, Liverpool, Watford, Southampton. Yeah, yeah it's a good fixtures. That's why he went for Wan-Bissaka as well. Yeah, started, and yeah. the fact he was four million. <laughs> yeah, cheapest chips. Yeah, everybody had said he was playing in pre-season and he was playing towards the end of last season. So it was right, four million, he's in, yeah. he's playing. 
<laughs> they, they've got the fixtures he's playing. Let's that's, use, that, that's where we kind of benefited from the talk around the community as well, wasn't it? It's like we all kind of saw it. We saw that he was playing. The, all the chat was around him. It was like, right, well, we better bring him in and kind of hope he starts. And he did. So, yeah, it worked out. I'd, well, I'd be interested to know how many people actually started him from the off, though. <laughs> yeah, that would be. I wonder if uh, anyone can find that. If anyone can find that, let us know. Right. You started with the exact same midfield as me in Salah, Mane, Richarlson and Mares. So thoughts on the Mares pick there. Taking a gamble on a player who's just moved to a new club, not knowing how much game time he will get, meaning kind of for an early transfer, which is what I'm viewing it as now. And you realise this early because you, I know you saved your two transfers to bring in McTarran and Mendy a couple of weeks after. I also did the same move with, with Mendy actually. But yeah, thoughts on the, the Mares pick? Um, I actually wanted Kevin De Bruyne because mm. um, in the Sky game he was second overall he just smashes every bonus they've got he's just unreal I was expecting that to translate over to FPL but with the World Cup I, th- I think he didn't return to training until the week before the week before the season started so there's no guarantee of him starting Sterling and David Silva were also coming back late so it was well, Mares is a record signing. Should get games early, <laughs> mm. and with City playing, I think they had Huddersfield, Wolves, and Newcastle in the first four after Arsenal. You just wanted but, part of it, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, just wanted part of it, and I held a million back to get De Bruyne as soon as he started playing. Yeah, De Bruyne would have consistent player to have in the FPL, and he does. It's just a shame he got injured after the first game week. <laughs> yeah, who knows? Like, he, he's We're looking at him as a, an option for next season. Hopefully he'll come in around 9 mil, 9.5, something like that. But I guess we'll see. Right, so uh, you started with the fodder striker, as you mentioned before, not ever planning on playing him with Kamara. And you started up top with Zaha and Aguero. So what are your thoughts on, on those two? Why have you started with those? Uh, like I said, uh, Zaha I wanted to get as a midfielder, but the classification sort of changed all that. But the fact that he stayed at 7 million, I think, which he was the previous year, I just thought there's better potential there than with some of the 7, mil- seven million midfielders. He was playing in pre-season. I think he was getting pretty much a goal a game pre-season, playing up front. That was that one. And Aguero was... Wasn't actually no, he wasn't actually my first choice. Oh, really? uh, yeah, I was looking at obviously looking at Kane coming off top scorer in the World Cup, but there just seemed to be too much uncertainty around him in August. August, yeah. And with him coming back late from the World Cup, he hasn't really looked right since the injury the year before. I think he had the baby on the way, and he was sort of right. Okay, scrap that. Aubameyang was going to be the next one, but he was playing City and Chelsea in the first two games. Mm. And then Aguero went and scored two in the Community Shield and sort of solved all the problems. (laughs) Yeah, he did. Yeah, when he scored them, I was uh, regretful because he was always going to be in my team. And then I was thinking, oh, now everyone's going to bring him in, which a lot of people did. But yeah. We go on. So we move on to game week two. You did no transfers there. You didn't get scared by the guy on Twitter who said Aguero wouldn't be playing and you captained him for Aguero's haul there. And you also looked to play Wambasaka, keeping the 4-4-2 formation, which I also noticed played more than any other formation this season. 19 times you played that last season. Uh, 4-4-2 was only four games, first four games. Oh, which one? Was oh, four three three. Sorry, four three three was, was the yeah. yeah the main one. Four three three. So I'm getting muddled up. So yeah, nineteen times you played that one. What made you come to that decision to play the four at the back throughout the season? Then a lot of your points were from defence, coming very close to your total midfielders' points. Actually, you scored seven hundred eighty three from all your midfielders throughout the year, and seven hundred fifty six from your defenders. So come relatively close there. Yeah, going back to um, the whole. Sky idea, limited transfer game. The last thing you want to be doing is making transfers in goalkeeper and defence. The whole idea was spend a little bit more. The top six defences in the league usually offer a minimum of 10 to 15 plus clean sheets every season. The maximum cost is six and a half. You're not going to get a striker for six, six and a half who's going to get you 15 goals in a season. So the value was all the value idea was always there to go with those slightly more expensive defenders because you can just play them in every game. 
Yeah, you, you you don't have to worry about any rotation. I had no interest in sort of the bench trying to pick between two, two, four and a half, five million players to play every week. It's, it's just too complicated yeah. to get that right on a consistent basis. So it was get four locked in, and that was going to be me for the season, pretty much. Is that something you're thinking about taking on to next season as well? Uh, given the results from last year, yeah, yeah. <laughs> everything's going to go the same, and I, th- I think it'd be remiss if I tried to change anything. Yeah, yeah. yeah fair so you mentioned that you saved up two transfers to bring in Mkhitaryan. He scored twelve points in game week two, and you brought in Mendy as well. I did the same move. Brought in Mendy. He was he was looking too good to avoid Mendy. Stats were crazy for crossing, etc. So you did that for you got rid of Mares and Peltier, who was on your bench game week three. With not much data, would you see these as risky transfers, bringing Mkhitaryan and Mendy? And do you think taking risky transfers early is a good way to go? Um. I wouldn't have said they were risky, only because Mares was subbed early in game week one. I think he came off on 59 minutes, which mm. is just the, the worst possible time anyway. Yeah. Then he got benched in game week two. There was already signs of him not being first choice. Like I said, I wanted to get KDB in. I'd kept a million back for him, but he got injured. The other choice was getting Alonso over David Luiz, but I actually got priced out to that because his price rose before Liverpool had even played in game week two. Right. Because I wasn't, I decided from the off that I wasn't going to worry about team value or price rises or changes. I waited and it was lucky I did because Juan Basaka got sent off in the Liverpool game. So it just gave me the opportunity to switch, switch the city players around. Mares from Endy because he, he was just posting ridiculous stats I think he yeah. had 23 points from the first two games Mkhitaryan like I said he got 12 points in game week two and against Chelsea of all teams but his underlying stats were there he had the most key passes up until that point and he was matching Aubameyang for attempts yeah, so, so I, I, I didn't really see them as risky at all yeah that's fair enough so we move on to game week three Lucas Mora put himself on the map with two goals against United but he faded and went on to score in like random games he it was never really consistent he's a player who would score big but is just very unpredictable I like to go for players that are more consistent, steadier points. What kind of type of players do you like to go for? Or is it just players which are in the limelight? Uh, no, I'm the same. Uh, consistency. I think pretty much every Sky game, not just Sky game, but the draft game and any other versions, if you were getting consistent points every week to top up your captain picks or whatever, however the game format works, then... That's fine by me. Yeah. Game week four, you fall into the trap that was the Richarlson to Walcott. So that's exactly what I did as well. But I actually didn't see any better options at this time. This is where you slip down to 96,000 overall, which is the lowest you go all season. Now, I am adamant that I was not influenced by groupthink here. I looked into the stats, his potential, and I really thought it was a good move. He scored and assisted in game week two, and he scored in game week three as well. So we had little data to kind of go off there. So the hope was there. Do you think I am delusional? Uh, No, mainly because I made the same move. (laughs) (laughs) So did a lot of other people. Like you said, Richardson got sent off. It was the easiest switch to make. Walcott himself had... Two goals and assistance, three bonus up to that point. Yeah. So it's not like he was in any sort of bad form. So yeah, it was just the easiest switch to make. Yeah, I think the only the only other person I contemplated was Pedro, but he's not consistent enough for me. No, he doesn't always. No, no, the Walcott is either. But no, true. <laughs> but he me, was starting, wasn't he? So yeah, yeah. And for me, it was a one week punt because I I knew I was <clears> wild card in after game game week four. Yeah. He, he was in there for one game and that was going to be going to be it. Whereas I kept him in for quite a while. I mean, like that was your lowest rank overall, so it was uh, 96,000. Did that number scare you anyway? Did you lose your hope in your team or anything? Or did you just think, that's part of the game, I'm going to wildcard now? Yeah, as you mentioned, game week five was your wildcard. You shot straight up after that. But did you look at that as thinking, oh, maybe I'm going to drop down lower or did you just want to push forward? 
No, early on in the season, there's going to be huge swings anyway because everybody's there's there's not been enough time for anybody to put any sort of distance between between themselves and other people. So there's huge swings with just minuscule points. But I was sort of top 50k game week two, top 100k by like I said by game end of game week four. And if I had been offered that before the season started, I would have taken that. I think I was averaging 68 points a week after game week four. Yeah. And the winner of the 17-8 season finished the season with 66. So I, I was there or thereabouts. You're doing very well. <clears throat> so, I, yeah, drop, dropping down in rank that early, not a problem. <laughs> That's a message to everyone, really. Don't panic too much. You, there's always time. So uh, you you did your wildcard, as we mentioned, brought loads. You changed it all around, but you switched your keepers. So you switched to the from the premium keeper to the cheaper keeper in Patricio, and like you had a bench fodder in Haymar, but he did play uh, in goal for the first three games, so you can see why he went there. Um, so why did you make that switch from the more expensive to the cheaper one? Uh, by that point, I think Edison only had one clean sheet in the mm. first four. Oh, right. And... Um, when you sort of looked at the goalkeeper standings, six of the top ten at, at the, the time actually started at four and a half, four and a half million, and they were picking up similar similar points to Edison. So for a million cheaper, he was getting the same points. So that that was that was the whole reasoning behind that. Yeah, so just the whole value, Patricia, value side of things. Yeah, yeah. Patricia, uh, Portuguese international. Yeah, it was it was also on my list at one point. Yeah, I think Wolves were quite lu- quite unlucky early on. Looking at the stats, I think they'd conceded some. Of, I think they were one of the least big chances. Like a, a lot of the shots were being kept to outside the box and that sort of thing. So it, it was always just a goal, just one goal. Yeah. if they've won or something, isn't it? it was, yeah. Really frustrating. They seem to be showing good form with their performance against City, so it's right, okay, we'll we'll try him. Also moved to two 4.5 midfielders, bringing in Wilson up front. So now heavily invested in defence with uh, Robertson, Alonso and Mendy, which a lot of people went. So you've gone for the strong midfield of Silva, bringing them in the same time as me again. Uh, you've been listening to the pod, obviously. <laughs> uh, but you've also got uh, with Salah and Hazard as well. So what are your thoughts on that with the two 4.5 midfielders? You just weren't ever going to play them? Uh, no, I had no intention at all. It was just picked up on the value coming from Wilson. Yeah, he was he was the reason behind the whole change. He already had two goals, three assists. He was six point one, six point two, I think. So it just you don't get that sort of value in midfield, or we weren't at the time. So it was a full on switch to four three three. So my two mid two four point five midfielders would just bench in. They were never going to come on if I could help it. Yeah, yeah. And also if you got lucky without injuries and stuff, which you did throughout the season, as I've seen. Uh, but game week six, uh, Mendy wasn't playing, so you brought in Trippier, which was a sound move. Game week seven, you then saw Richarlson was back after his red card ban, I think it was. So you brought him back in for Silva, who got rotated for the 5 nil smashing City did of Cardiff. So again, another good move. I got rid the week after uh, of Silver, and then game week eight you brought in Arnie. So he wasn't that high up on the stats. You weren't getting much from uh, Zaha at the time, so he had to go. So that was granted. Playing well with Yarmolenko Arnie at the time, but at this stage, did you look at Jimenez or Mitrovic? Um, I did, but the whole thing going back to the idea that I was playing limited transfers giving giving myself just the 40 there was a big fixture swing for Palace and West Ham whereas Palace had I think it was Wolves Everton, Arsenal, Chelsea, Tottenham Manu all in a run but I think Arnautovic wasn't playing anybody decent apart from Spurs and City I think until early January so I brought him in to pretty much sit there right way through until New Year and just save me on making transfers elsewhere yeah because I I looked at the Jimenez and Mitrovic I went for Mitrovic which turned out to be the wrong option but I should have gone for Jimenez um... Jimenez hadn't really registered with me by that point because he 
he only had two goals and two assists. Yes, I did see that. And his, stat, his stats weren't bad. He had uh, 22 attempts by that point. Uh, was only on 30 points. He did. He had pretty good fixtures, but Mitrovic was actually 31 attempts at that stage. Five goals. And Arnie, he missed the game, but he was only 16 attempts, four goals, one assist. But he was on yeah. 37 points, whereas Mitrovic was on 40 points. So it shows he, he had the good fixtures to come and kind of knew he was going to start every game. I went for Mitrovic as like a little talisman type way, and maybe I should have gone for Arnie. Yeah, but, I actually went with Mitrovic in the Sky game, mm. but um, I didn't quite trust Fulham enough. For FPL. No, that's a wise decision in the end, because he did flag. But yeah, game, game week nine, you brought Mendy back as soon as he was back from injury. A risk you kind of had to take, do you reckon? I mean, Doherty was actually scoring well at this point. Did you not want to go for him? Uh, Well, I'd actually registered Doherty on my watch list. He'd been on my watch list since game week four. But when Mendy actually came back in game week eight and got a clean sheet against Liverpool, it was right his early season form dictates I need him back yeah yeah because he's, and he's just I, too good yeah and I think that was the first week then that I had four premium fullbacks I think I had Alonso Robertson Trippier and Mendy yeah it was heavy at the back that was meant to be me set then for the foreseeable future yeah yeah and uh, you kind of did because you didn't make a transfer until game week 12 after game week 9 sticking with the four at the back so even though players like Marshall he was like, at his best at that particular part of the season Aubameyang scoring well you actually lost a transfer there so were you comfortable in losing a transfer because you didn't make a transfer for three game weeks I mean this was the only time that you lost a transfer though was that comfortable for you doing that? Uh yeah, but it's because of the whole limited transfer thing. Yeah. Because I, because I was working on number of transfers instead of worrying about how many frees, how many hits. It just didn't register anyway. The, t- the team didn't need a change. So I didn't. Sticking to the plan. Just so yeah. And all, all the players were in decent form. There was no need to change anything. Yeah. Okay. So game week 12 comes around and you go Trippier to Van Dyke. Trippier then gets rotated the week after you do that with Champions League now in contention, I believe, and VVD like a safer prospect. And Liverpool just racking up the clean sheets with five good fixtures going forward. So you're now carrying a transfer at this point. Thoughts on carrying a transfer? Are you going to take this Sky experiment into next season or are you going to adapt? what you do for next season uh, no I'm going to take it forward another season only to see if it works again Yeah, because I, I've been trying for so long to nail a strategy down that you can use year on year so it's worked once Let's hope it let, works again. Yeah. Let's let's try it again to see if it works again. So I mean, like, the carrying a transfer makes no difference then. Really, it's not something which you plan to do. It was just happening. No, no, it, it was just a byproduct of yeah. the way I was doing things with me with transfers. If a change was needed, I did it. If it wasn't, I didn't. Yeah. Okay. So game week 13, you decide to get rid of Mendy again for Doherty, opening up some cash for Hazard to Sterling the week after. And I was thinking, did you make those moves to enable that cash for the week after? Uh, no, actually. No, just as you uh, go. Yeah, like I said, Doherty had been on my watch list since game week four. And I think in Pep's press conference for that week, he actually said that Mendy was out for 10 to 12 weeks after undergoing knee surgery. Yeah. So he had to go, and Doherty was next up on my watch list. <laughs> so so he, it's, he, it all just turned out nicely. Yeah, he, he just came in. He was first for shots on target, second for goal attempts, third for bonus, and eighth overall for defender. So he was right, okay, plug and play. In he goes. Yeah. Game week 15, you see Patricio letting you down for clean sheets in the last six. So you go for Fabianski. You're also a bit bold here and get rid of Aguero as he gets rested against Bournemouth. And you now have Sterling, so you may have seen that as cover. And you bring in Aubameyang. Arsenal have got some great fixtures with the first being Huddersfield. 
Again, another sound move. Didn't pay off for the first game, him only getting two points against Huddersfield, though. But game week 16 is when you brought in the bargain of the season, that is Jimenez. So tell me why you decided now to do this. What what stats or what eye test? A um, little bit of everything. Arnoldovich had gone off injured against Cardiff, I think, the week before, after about 39 minutes. So he had to get changed regardless. And I think uh, since game week 11 it, it was Jimenez had got two goals three assists and six bonus yeah. and he was coming in at 6 million 6.1 whereas his first 10 games he'd only got two goals three assists and two bonus so he'd already doubled doubled everything this in, is where he really kicked in off. sort of yeah in sort of those five weeks he'd doubled his stats for the first 10 so it was right okay that's value I'm not going to get anywhere else so you can't, you've been bringing in players which you hit them at the right time, really, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, I I got quite lucky in that respect. So, like, game week 17, you ditched Richarlson after he wasn't providing you with enough points, and you brought in Son, who hauled in game week 16. So did you see this as, like, a type of knee-jerk type move? I mean, he scored a couple of goals within the three game weeks before, but nothing overly special. This is actually when he went on his massive scoring run as well. No, it, again, not a knee-jerk thing. Uh, Richard Allison was coming up against City and Spurs in his next two games. And Son, in his last four, I think he got three goals, two assists, four bonus, and was averaging something like 8.75 points a game. Yeah. He, he was looking more dangerous than Kane at that point and had a run of fixtures coming up over the next five. I, I think I've got here's Burnley, Everton, Bournemouth, Wolves and Cardiff. Yeah. So, so there was perspective for him to go out and get more. It feels like an obvious move then, really. Yeah. So game week 18, you uh, you get up to 454th in the world. I mean, was this nosebleed time? How did you feel being that high? I mean, I, I got this high at one point last season and I did feel a bit nosebleedy. Oh, it... It was ridiculous. Uh, for one, I couldn't believe I was that high up because I didn't think I'd sort of done anything out of the ordinary by that point. Yeah, I was just going along, playing my own game, no big risks taken. So to end up 454th, that was ridiculous. But once you get that high, you do sort of start feeling the pressure to get every transfer right. Yeah, you're thinking, oh, it's only down from here, don't you? Yes, yeah, well, it's, it's over. Oh, you start overthinking which is something I specifically didn't want to do this season well you didn't in the end so we reach game week 19 and we're kind of at the halfway stage of the season now and you are 823rd so what was your thoughts at this stage then is it just carry on with the strategy did you feel like you might need to change it at all uh no it, it well everything seemed to be working i drop back a little bit but you can expect that as you plod along through the season you're not gonna you're not gonna smash every week yeah so yeah it's just a case of plodding along keep going what i was doing had got me to that point so there's no no need to change it yeah that's fair so game week 19 you brought in rashford for wilson so this is where he went on his massive scoring run again so you're bringing in those players on their massive scoring runs uh this was where united had their turn when Oli Gunnar Solskjaer had been appointed the caretaker manager at christmas so you were hitting those big runs from certain players like son rashford all while keeping a solid team because you had the two liverpool defense salah sterling etc alonso had dropped off by this point and game week 20 you removed Doherty for Luca Dean instead of Alonso. Holding on to that Alonso hope, were you, at that point? Um, a little bit. But it, it just came down to the fixtures again. He could have gone, but he was playing Palace, Southampton and Newcastle in the next three, I think it was. Who was the other one? Didn't you want to? Yeah, Doherty had sort of been a little bit off it. I, said, I think they'd had one clean sheet since game week eight and Dina just gone out and scored two goals against um I can't remember who that was. Yeah, he he was doing well as he was in the limelight now, wasn't he? Yeah, he'd literally just scored two goals against somebody. Yeah. But um and, Pereira was in form as well. Was that a fifty fifty decision between Gadine and Pereira? Uh no, I think I just went for Dina on the fixtures again. Okay. 
yeah, um, fixture base then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You had um, you had good fixtures right up to game week twenty five, I think, because he was coming up against Brighton, Leicester, Bournemouth, Southampton, and Huddersfield. So that sort of took precedence over what Pereira was doing. On like I said, Dot, he had one clean sheet and was up against Spurs and City in the next three. So yeah, very fixture based. Yeah. At game week 20, there was a three-way move with Aubameyang and Salah going for Kane and Hazard. Bringing Kane in was just before the Wolves and Cardiff game, so this was your first hit of the season. Uh, do you think that was needed or just all in the plan, just using the, the weren't really bothered about the hit? Um, wasn't bothered about the hit. Again, going back to the whole number of transfers thing instead of instead of following the minus fours and that sort of thing. Yeah, and I st- I still had quite a few left at that point. I think I'd only taken fifteen before this three-way move. Yeah, so I had plenty to go off, and I think Salah was playing Arsenal and City in the next two, and Kane was just coming into form. I think he'd got three goals, two assists in his last three games. Like you said, had Wolves and Cardiff up next, so he was a captain option in both of those. So it was basically just shifting. Salad Kane essentially. Yeah. But then Salah went just before the Arsenal game where he scored 12 points and then he got 11 points and then 15 a few game weeks after. So it must have hurt taking out Salah. Uh, it did initially. When I watched the Arsenal game, I immediately regretted that one. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't seen him. What was it? 5 5 0? 5 1? 5 1, yeah. Yeah. Don't remind me. <laughs> and. Uh, he looked immense in that, mm. so it was right. Okay, I made a mistake. Yeah, yeah. So but he had City the following game week, so I was I had sort of one game week's grace to work out how to get him back, more or less. Yeah. yeah okay. So now just past halfway, uh, Liverpool top of the league, City still scoring loads of goals, but showing weakness by losing against Palace at home 3-2. You decide to remove Sterling game week 21. The stats at this stage were City were just dominating the attempts on goal, uh, Chelsea just behind Liverpool, just behind them. Goals were very much in City's favour. Then Liverpool, Chelsea not very many. Arsenal were up there as well. Defensive side, it was Liverpool eight goals conceded so far in the season so not very many and 12 clean sheets Uh, Chelsea were behind them conceding 16 with nine clean sheets so looking like the only real hope of clean sheets were Liverpool so you had to keep your four at the back by this point did you want to move some of that money into midfield but couldn't uh no, I had no intention of moving any out of the defence, mainly because they were sort of still towards the top of the overall overall points. Yeah, there, there was just no need to take them out. It's a case of if it's not broken, don't fix it. Yeah, uh, yeah. So you start with that. I mean, game week twenty one, even uh, Sterling went for Pogba, as mentioned, uh, following up from the United run under Oli. So this is where you didn't hang around on the bandwagon. He had the stats; he was scoring well. What are your thoughts on bandwagons themselves and joining them early? Um, the bandwagons themselves, I tend to avoid as much as I can, unless it's somebody who's proven. Like uh, somebody like Pogba in this instance, yeah, he'd just scored forty-six points in his last three games, and I was losing out every week. I didn't have him, so it was just a case of right, he's capable. Needed Pogba. Yeah, I think he had good run of fixtures at the same time as well, which meant he could just keep sustaining it. And you're a United fan, so you knew a little yeah. more about him. Yeah. Yeah. He- yeah, big United fan, and by that point, we were actually playing some good stuff. I think it's the only time in the season we played any good stuff. That's when you started playing. So, from this point onwards, the only way was up from you from this particular point in the season. And game week 22, you had to make your second hit of the season. You lost faith in Luca Dean only after two weeks and brought in Bennett again, who you had previously, and went Son to Salah. So, two players you've already had. So, you're clearly not scared of removing a player that you've just brought in and you're not worried about bringing back two players uh, that you've previously had in the, t- in the team did you feel the hit was needed to bring back Salah? Uh, not in terms of the hit because I was ignoring them anyway oh, yeah. but as I said with um, 
I think it was game week 20 when I took Salah out and they blitzed Arsenal. Mm. Knew it was a mistake straight away. Uh, the game week 21 transfer Sterling to Pogba. That was part of trying to get him back in by freeing up the money. Oh, so um, you were thinking ahead with that one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was already looking to get him back in as as soon as that City game was done. He was coming back in. Yeah, there was there was no ifs ands about it. He, he was coming back, and he had a good run of fixtures from there to I think his game week twenty six, playing Brighton, Palace, Leicester, West Ham, and Bournemouth. Yeah, every one of those games a captain option. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, he's yeah. You, you captained him the most actually, didn't you? So yeah, pretty much. Dina, I didn't want to get rid of him, but he was the sacrificial lamb, unfortunately. Yeah. The the lesson there is you're not you you've made a mistake and you're not afraid to go back on it is the the key lesson from that particular transfer. Yeah, the annoying thing was I lost eight points for it because I wasn't focusing on it. Eight points is eight points. It's, it's not huge. Yeah. Yeah. So game week twenty three and up to game week twenty five, you kind of restore your faith in City after having no players from them for two weeks, and that was in your bid to get Salah back. So you bring in Aguero, Sane, and Sterling for Kane, Hazard, and Pogba between those game weeks, and. You actually placed your triple captain on Sane, which was the only time you actually moved away from captaining consistent players. You mostly captained uh, Salah and Aguero, as you said, but it was Salah who you captained the most. You failed with your captaincy only eleven times out of thirty-eight, which is which is pretty good. But yeah, no one near you though. <laughs> no, I think I got lucky. To be honest, uh, thirty-four. I think I did carry my luck quite a bit there. But uh, yeah, so what? thoughts on the uh, the captaincy and triple captain you moved away from your normal captaincy to go Sane there uh, the reason for throwing a triple captaincy on him basically you're relying on one good game week for that Yeah, you can't really plan for it you can take in all the stats you want but if the player has one bad week which unfortunately he did a massive three points go me <laughs> um but up until that point, he'd had 32 points in the four games prior to that. So he was averaging eight points a game. I think he had more double-digit returns than Aguero and round about the same as Sterling by that time. So you felt justified about that one? Then. Yeah. Uh, if I, if it came around again, I'd probably do the same thing again. Yeah. And on, on captaincy, what are your thoughts on captaincy? Is it just going for the polls or is it how do you, how do you work your captaincy? Um, I've actually used a, quite a few different uh, different approaches with that this year, but I always try to keep two or three options for captaincy anyway. Yes, sometimes it's been the polls, other times it's been uh, bookies odds. I tended to use them quite a lot early on, but mostly it's just fixture. Fixture if if one of them's if somebody like Salah or Aguero has got a good home fixture, yeah, it's it's a no brainer. All you need out of a captaincy is consistency. It doesn't matter if it's an assist, a goal, two goals, hat-trick, providing you gain some kind of return from them. That's all you need. Yep, yeah, definitely. So you then punished Sane by getting rid of him the week after you brought him <laughs> in. And you brought in Pogba again. So again, ruthless with your decisions and not really scared to bring back in players that you've had previously. And then game week 37, you played your wild card because that was the same time as the overhaul. You made seven changes here. You stuck with good uh, back four. You optioned for uh, Lascelles at 4.6. So you changed VVD for uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold. But you didn't change much overall. You brought in Son for Sterling at that point as well. And then you moved back to Sterling the week after. But this was you set for the run-in now uh, until the end of the season, really, wasn't it? And at this point, did you worry about losing rank when it comes down to playing your chips the standard way, which everyone was looking at, the wild card, and then bench boost the week later towards game week 35? Uh, this was actually the worst week of the season for me in terms of making that decision. Yeah. Because even though I'd pre-planned it since day one, when it actually came around, I was wildcarding into the Caribou Cup final. So there was no City or Chelsea players playing that week. Yeah, worrying. Which was a problem with me having, I think, uh, two City. Uh, I still had Alonso at that point, I think. Yeah, because I changed yeah. him for Pereira. Yeah. That, that was the worst 
week I could have possibly had to play it. Were you tempted about not like changing your strategy? Were you tempted of going uh, in the way? Yeah, it was. I actually had a um, conversation with is it is my cap playing one of the correspondents for Planet FPL? Yeah, and he was trying to talk me out of doing it because I think I was something like four three hundred and something or four hundred and something overall at that point. Yeah. And he was like, oh, no, just sack it off and try and win the thing. Yeah, you're 350th at that point. Yeah, and even put a poll up on Twitter for people to vote whether I should do it or not. I remember but, talking to you about it, actually. I think yeah. I did discuss it briefly. And the poll came back that I should stick with the original plan. <laughs> and, yeah, it just kind of went from there. And yeah. like you said, I only made seven changes. Three of them were to the bench. Because it just made no sense to play it in any sort of strategic way. Yeah. It was just, right, I've decided to play it now, so I'll do it. And <laughs> Can't imagine the mind racking that you must have done. On no, that I, I, I was basically guessing at FA Cup results. Yeah. Um, I had no information to go off there. Yeah, and like you said, I even made a change. Well, I made a change the week after that to reverse one of the four that I made to the starting eleven. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it made absolutely no sense. And it's one of the things, if I wasn't playing Your this strategy. strategy again next season, that is definitely something I would change. But on the other hand, it did stop me going all into Brighton in yeah. the double game week. Exactly. Which a lot of people so, did. So, I mean, yeah. you, you moved forward with the season. You brought in Vardy for his run-in at the right time. Again, uh, you hit Hazard when he was doing well. And Kane again, you brought back in. Uh, so, game week 29, your team value <clears throat> is actually uh, 107.5 million. So, that's the highest you get all season. What are your thoughts on team value and going early for a player to get that point one? I think you mentioned that you, you weren't going to do that at all and you're just going to wait, is that right? Yeah, yeah, I pretty much ignored team value the majority of the season. Yeah. I think only once I made an early-ish transfer, but that was it. Every other transfer was left until Friday or Saturday until all the information was there. I had no no intention of following team value at all. Okay, yeah. A lot of people have gone that route. I'm swayed on that one still. The start of the season with to build your team value and to yeah. be aware of it. I think you just I, need to be aware of it. Yeah, I just think it adversely affects decisions. Mm. Like it is sometimes it'll force you into early moves. And like I said, when I waited on Gary Alonso in game week three, if I hadn't waited, I wouldn't have seen Wan Bissaka get sent off. Yeah. That it bit, just bit allows you to, in that, in yeah. That sense, it allows yeah. you to have the information to adjust. Yeah. The um, when it comes to value, anyway, the actual value is not released until you sell somebody. So yeah, true. So your free hit was played in game week, uh, double game week thirty two. Any thoughts about playing that elsewhere, or were you always set on playing at that game week? No, I fully racked my brains on that one because I was wild card in in twenty seven. Yeah. I was trying to decide where the chips would get played as early as that. Yeah, yeah. So I, I pretty much went through every single option that I could do. I, I looked at free it in 31, 33, 35, mm. just to try and nail something down. But in the end, I just ended up giving myself, I think it was to, until after game week 29, to make an actual decision and ultimately decided on 32. It was, it was the easiest route and it worked worked out well. So, the, I mean, Game Week 34, you were 58th in the world at that point. So that was the highest <clears throat> you got. And you had, like, Brooks, Wilson, Pogba, TAA and Salah all scoring well for you. What was your thinking at this point? Were you dreading the Game Week 35, thinking everyone who are wildcarding are going to go past you? I was, but I sort of prepared myself for it, knowing that I'd wildcarded in 27. I knew it was going to be an issue. I was happy with the team at the time, so I wasn't bothered so much in that respect. But rather than sort of stressing over a single game week, I, I took game week, blank game week 31 to double game week 35 as just a block. Yeah. And if I could come out of that block up on where I was before, then I would have been happy. And I think I was, I was comparing myself to the average as I was going along. And 
by the end of 34, I think it was, when everybody moved for the double Brighton defence. Or for that, I was on the Bournemouth players, who I I think Wilson scored 15 that week, and Brooks got 12. So whereas everybody else was cursing Brighton, I was sort of loving life. (laughs) (laughs) After 34, You're riding that, in the clouds, so that, that sort of gave me extra points that I sort of thought, well, I've already got those extra points. So if I lose out in 35 when everybody's got wildcarded into 35, yeah, I've just got to take Aaron a chin. Yeah. But I think I went from 370 overall to in game week, at the end of game week 30 or 31, up to 144 after... Game week 35. Yeah, so you, you were so, 58th and then you went down to 144. Um, yeah. After game week. But you, you, you took your third hit that week. Hazard and Fabianski went for Son and Lloris. So you looked at the Spurs playing Huddersfield again. So again, a fixture based transfer, was it? Uh, which was that game week 34? Yeah, game week 34, we brought those in. Oh, yeah, that was to do with the, um, just planning for the double game week. Yeah, yeah. The Spurs players, yeah, Lloris and yeah, Fabianski oh. to Lloris, Hazard to Son. Yeah, yeah. It was a case of um, yeah, planning for the doubles. Fabianski was playing Man United and Spurs in the next three. Uh, Lloris had good fixtures up until the end of the season. Plus, had the double game week thirty-five. Uh, Hazard the same, no double game week, and was playing Liverpool and Man United in the next two. I think it was. Yeah. So yeah. Son and Reese both came in. I can't remember who they were playing off the top of my head. Yeah, Huddersfield. Huddersfield yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And obviously, yeah, then double game week 35 for the two of those. Yeah, for the bench boost, uh, as many others did. You scoring 96, so your early wildcard actually matching most of everyone's who wildcard in game week 34. You did take uh, another eight-point hit to form this team, but it did work. You brought in Laporte, Jimenez and Sterling for Pogba, Vardy and Pereira. So yeah, you did really well there. And then game week 36, another inspired move to take out Brooks and bring in Babel, who scored you a nine. You captain Salah for his haul against Huddersfield with TAA and Robbo. Uh, this was your highest game week score of the season. By this point, you were keeping pace, in fact, doing better than, than others. So you, I bet you were... <laughs> chuffed to bits that your strategy was working yeah and it was just the fact that i'd kept all the single game week players but they all had good games that in i think in double game week 35 and i think that was the main part of it they all scored well in game week 35 so i sort of matched a lot of people there and that just took me through then. Yeah, because you moved up to 49 uh, after dropping the week before, as I mentioned. From here, so you've got two game weeks left. You dropped Wilson for Rashford, which turned out to be a bit of a pointless move in the end. Yeah. Uh, them both scoring two each game week. United letting a lot of people down because they were playing Huddersfield and Cardiff. So <clears throat> the last game week, you actually, again, made the same move as me. You did Son to Redmond. Uh, were you tempted by Pogba at this stage? A lot of people were. Uh, no, not after seeing him get beat, uh, draw one all ahead of his field. Sure, yeah. uh, the only reason I made the Wilson to Rashford move the week before is because I'd had that move penciled in since I took Rashford out. Yeah. And it was sort of, if I don't do it and they kick on against Huddersfield and Cardiff, Which then I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to be kicking myself. Yeah. I had also planned to bring Pogba in, but, uh, after seeing the one all draw, he was right. No, can't can't justify that. Uh, yeah, fair. So you finished forty eighth in the world, and you topped our mini league. As I have gone through this team, I can see kind of some faults, like maybe the Rashford one. You wouldn't see it as a fault now because you you have to go for it, and plenty of great decisions, obviously. But do you think that it can be improved upon? Do you think you can do this again and, and go one better? Or do you think that everything just aligned nicely and your decisions were easy for you? Um, I'd like to think I could better it. Mm. But the reality is I, I, I think it's a one-off. Mm. E- everything, pretty much, well, most of the things I touched turned to gold in terms of transfers and things. So I think that'd be very difficult to repeat. Yeah. 
Yeah, I would like to see it. I'm really hoping that it does work again. I mean, I'm not going to do your strategy. It clearly works, but I won't do it. Yeah, it's stubbornness in me thinking my strategy is going to still work. But potentially, if I made some of the moves that you did, then maybe I would have been in the same position. Um, But I I don't believe that it's going to work to that extent ever again, to be honest. Yeah. Everything just seemed to fit this year. The, The wild card after game week four with the World Cup, on that just made sense yeah and pretty much it, every decision just seemed to fall into line i think the only really big disappointment was the sane triple captain yeah considering i had aguero and sterling at the same time it was sort of i couldn't have got that any more wrong yeah a lot, a lot of other people did <laughs> but i would have done it again <laughs> yeah so you, you this what what do you do with that Anna? yeah exactly so let, let's let's go through some of the topics we spoke about on the Lessons Learned podcast, which was the last podcast, 133rd. So what are your views on planning? Like how long to plan for? The benefits and drawbacks for planning for a certain amount of game weeks? Or do you just try and do it, as mentioned earlier, for the consistent players? What's your planning like? How far do you go ahead? Um, well, until I look back for this, I, did, I didn't quite realise that I was generally looking at four to six weeks. Yeah. Pretty much every fixture run that I picked out when I looked back was four weeks, five weeks. And it was, okay, that that might be a thing. Yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't realize at the time. It's, it's only now that I've looked back. It's sort of, okay. You must have looked at it in some way. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, that must be roughly what, what I work to. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, like with the, the hits and carrying transfers, we've kind of been over that. That's your strategy. Uh, so I just want to quickly talk about the ownership of players. Uh, do you find that important? Do you find in, importance of owning the players that are highly owned? Um, I've actually tried not to look at it at all this year. Yeah. And it's, it's because, <laughs> yeah, no, it's because when you find yourself doing that, you're not making your own decisions. Yeah. So I wanted to, I strictly wanted to make a point of playing my own game back in my own choices uh, i watched so many games it was back in the decisions i was making from that so the ownership never really came into it at all is it's sort of inherent by picking the popular play uh the form players yeah because they will have eye ownership anyway and everyone else will go for them <laughs> yeah but it's the i think it's the captaincy where you possibly need to look at that a bit more closely because if you lose on lose out on a high owned captain, that can be far more damaging than just a high owned player. Yeah, well, you captain Salah fourteen times, Aguero twelve times, and then your lowest was Kane and Sane on one. Yeah, uh, I, I think a captain Sterling three. Yeah, I think a captain six or seven different players all year. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Uh, but yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, limited, limited amount. Is so we've gone over your team with a fine tooth comb here. Is there anything that you want to tell the listeners regarding your season? Any advice or um, play your own game? Yeah, that that's the main thing that's come out of this for me, and it was what I wanted to explore at the start of the season. You. Don't have to follow what everybody else is doing. You can play your own own sort of way. Um, and when it comes to the ins and outs, the chips don't actually seem to be that important. <laughs> yeah, I played all three of mine and got a red arrow in every one. <laughs> uh, triple captain, I got three points from that. I've never hit a triple captain at all in all the years I've been playing. Oh, wow. So, yeah. It's killing that, isn't it? When you've got that so much hope that yeah, yeah, you just yeah, get my three I, points. I, I've got a nice list of, I think it was Kane when he had a cold. Don't tell Andy me you Carroll, went Carroll. Yeah, he did. <laughs> uh, Lukaku. Uh, and then I, I've just I just never hit a triple captain at all. And, mm. and to finish where I did with, with such a poor return from that. Done really well with the rest of your team, obviously. Yeah, but yeah, the main thing is absolutely play your own game. Yeah. D- don't take what everything that other people say is gospel use it by all means but i think a big part of fpl now isn't so much the playing of it but it's deciding what 
info is relevant because there's so much out there now. Yeah, yeah. I know you take the view which I kind of take in terms of you like to listen to everything and then form your own decision. You don't try, you don't get swayed. You make your own decision and think about other things based on what other pods and other websites have gone over. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's definitely the way to go for me. Like you, you get so many people in, like I'm in Slack channels. I've got WhatsApp groups. Every week you see to have somebody saying, oh, I wanted to do this. Somebody yeah. told me to do that. <laughs> yeah. I, w- I wish I'd gone with my gut. Yeah. It's sort of, well, do, do it. You've got to do it. If you're not backing yourself, then what's the point? Yeah, exactly. A lot of people have said that. I've had some comments from uh, our latest pod that, yeah, we, they should just go with their gut. But yeah, brilliant. Right. Well, thank you for coming on, Paul. It has been very exciting to retrace the steps, going back through some of my own thoughts. And I hope this gives people kind of a good perspective of how a successful manager from last year goes about playing the game so thank you for giving your time up for this we really appreciate it yeah no problem it's an absolute pleasure like i said you're the longest serving pod on my uh yeah, playlist for fpl so it's an absolute pleasure to be oh, on that's great to hear so if you the listeners want to hear more of this we do have interviews that we've done for various successful managers over the years if you sign up to patreon.com forward slash fpl surgery at the lowest level we're not actually taking any payment at the moment so if you want to get involved in that now do so for the next couple of months it will be free and you can get involved in the slack channel where the winner of the fpl surgery mini league pool is now a member so you'll be able to feed off his ideas throughout the season you've joined that recently paul how are you finding out at the moment of the people in there uh still trying to get my head around all the different channels there's loads in there (laughs) yeah there's absolutely millions (laughs) and to see everything pinging up throughout the day is like wow this is a lot of info yeah it's but the the guys in there are great yeah nice bunch of lads in that slack town so yeah thank you for listening and if you want to get hold of us go to fplsurgery.com you can find us on facebook soundcloud reddit follow us on twitter at fplsurgery subscribe on itunes and please remember to rate the podcast email us at info at fplsurgery.com and from me and paul we both wish you a good summer and we'll look forward to seeing you in the new season and up the pod up the pod okay.